0: Good morning. Today's reading uh, is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 45, Thanks, Bill. and can be found on page 1457 of your Pew Bibles, verses 26 to 45. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, The baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Um, my name's Gavin. If I haven't met you before, then uh, Merry Christmas you good morning. Um, the passage we're going to look at today is actually the part that follows the part, part that my mum read. Um, and it's the Song of Mary. So, um, obviously, I'm nothing like a... Uh, ...Jewish virgin female... Um, ...but (laughs) let me just help to uh, assist your imagination. And now I'll tell continue the story as Mary said it all those years ago. Our story begins here. And Mary said... ...my soul magnifies the Lord... My spirit rejoices in God, my saviour, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has, has done great things for me. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation He has performed great deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he said to our fathers, That's the end of the story. Right, I'm back again. (laughs) Christmas carols can be quite different. Some of them say a lot about Jesus. Some of them can say very little about Jesus. We were down uh, as a family at the uh, Christmas festival on uh, Gympie Terrace. Uh, last weekend, and I was kind of shocked and at, at the contrast between some of the songs that we were singing. For example, let me give you a couple of examples. On one hand, we sang, He came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all. And his shelter was a stable, and his cradle was a stall. With the poor and mean and lowly lived on earth our Saviour Holy. We also sang, it's the hap happiest season of all with those gay holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the hap happiest season of all. Or another example, Christ by heaven, highest heaven adored Christ, the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Please uh, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased with us in flesh to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Or, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. So, there's quite quite a variety in terms of the choices of songs that we could sing around the time when we remember Jesus' birth. What we've just heard is the first Christmas carol ever sung. A song sung by Jesus' mother before he was born. Now, what kind of a song will she sing about the son she is about to give birth to? Well, it helps to know the background, which is the first part of the reading that we heard. An angel has appeared to Mary and told her to apparently... Unbelievable things. She's a virgin and yet she's going to have a child. But what's more, her child is going to be God incarnate. Two absurd things, except that 700 years before Jesus was born, God said through the prophet Isaiah, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God had already given Israel a heads up that he was coming into the world through a virgin and to watch out for that sign because that was God's coming into the world. So with that background, Mary, when she meets her cousin Elizabeth, spontaneously composes the song we just heard. And we're going to have a look at it in three parts together. The first... Her song tells of Jesus bringing God's mercy into the world. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, because he's been humble of his might, uh, the humble, sorry, he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. I haven't got a screen here, sorry, that's why I have to keep bending around to see if you're looking at the same thing as me. Firstly, she looks at God's mercy to herself. She calls her own state a humble state. She calls God her saviour, and she says that God has blessed her. So she's acknowledging God's mercy and kindness to her as an individual. Actually, Jesus had instructed her to give her the name, give her son the name Jesus, which literally means God saves. So when she's singing of this uh, mercy of God, in her mind is the the angel's words, your son is going to be the saviour from God. This is the saviour that the Jews have been waiting for for millennia after their relationship with God was broken and restored and broken and restored, and they came to realise they needed to be saved from their sins. And as we look in on the history of the Jews, we should see that we also need a savior as they did. Interestingly, Mary does not locate God's reason for choosing her in herself. She doesn't sing, oh, how amazing I am that God has chosen me. Oh, how sinless I am that God has chosen me, which is what some crazy people have said. Oh, Mary must have been perfect and that's the reason they chose her. No, not according to Mary. According to Mary, it's God's mercy, God's kindness, God's grace that means He has chosen her. And that, that mercy of God is for all who fear him, she says. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Not just her generation, but our generation as well. To any of us who fear God... The mercy of God is available. Now, fearing God is not... It sounds sometimes like a moral thing. Oh, that's a real God-fearer, that man. But if you think about it, there's nothing meritorious about fear. If a lion came into the church this morning, we wouldn't be praising those of us who were the most scared. Oh, here's a lion-fearer, a true lion-fearer of that man. He ran immediately out of the building. No, fear is itself nothing to be praised... What the fear of God is, is accurately recognizing who God is. Fear is the most appropriate response to understanding that the creator of the universe, who is immeasurably perfect, almighty, without limitation, is worthy of our highest honor, love, respect, and obedience. That should generate a certain fear. And Mary says, to all those who recognise God that way, mercy is available. Because as soon as you recognise who God is, you simultaneously recognise how far you fall short of him and what he desires of us. That's where the fear comes in. Well, to those who fear God, there's mercy. Do you know that can include you, if you're not already someone who trusts in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, if you're tired of carrying the weight of sin and guilt for all the things that you know you've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong, well, mercy is available, forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As crazy as it sounds, Mary's son would one day save her from her sins. And she would bow and worship him as the wise men did, the son of God, not really the son of Mary, but the son of God. So the first part of her song highlights, glorifies God for his mercy. In my line of work, um, I, I do plantation shutters and roller blinds and that sort of thing. Sometimes the stakes can be quite high. Um, I made an error A few months ago, I wrote the wrong measurement down on my form. And that wrong number cost $6,000. And normally, I pay for those errors, as I should. And so you can imagine that I was terrified when I discovered this error. That was going to wipe out about a month's earnings, just writing one number down wrong. And I texted the boss in this kind of desperation, just saying, I don't know what what can be done. Do you know um, my boss, (laughs) every year they have two vouchers which the manufacturer has given them and they can cash that voucher in twice a year and the boss texted me back and said, we'll take care of it, don't worry, it's all good. Now that was mercy because I deserve to pay for that $6,000 error but I didn't. He said, it's all good. I'll take care of it for you. And Mary's song celebrates the spiritual version of that. We say to God, I could never pay the debt I owe you for the mistakes I've made. And God says through Jesus, I've taken care of it. It's all good. Don't worry. As we just sang, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled through Jesus. That's the mercy of God. The second thing Mary sings about is Jesus restores right order to the world. You remember, uh, she says that he's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered the proud, brought rulers down and lifted up the humble, fed the hungry and sent the rich away empty. In Mary's day, the ruling class was nothing like they are today. The ruling class in Mary's day used their power entirely for their own benefit, unlike our ruling class. Well, her song celebrates that God will reverse that. God will upturn the abuses of power um, for personal benefit. However, this is not some kind of communist manifesto. He's not going to take from the hard-working people and give to the lazy. He's not going to establish common ownership of property to be distributed for the good of all. No, through God, through Jesus, God is going to punish those who have created and perpetuated conditions of perpetual poverty through merciless exploitation of the vulnerable. God is going to do that. Through Jesus, God is going to scatter those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. That's how deep God's view is. He can see our inmost thoughts. And in fact, Jesus' own teaching and life did do that. He showed that true greatness is found in service and sacrifice for others, not in exploitation you do have to wonder about the tense that Mary chooses. She, she, she says this is all in the past tense. He has brought rulers down from their thrones. He has lifted up the hum, humble. He has fed the hungry with good things and sent away the poor. Uh, but when, when I look around the world, I see those things are still going on. So what's going on? Why does she say that he's already done those things? Well, it might help, to, I think, to view... Uh, what happens when Jesus comes, there's a a modification of the Jewish worldview. So the Jewish worldview all the way up to the end of the Old Testament was a simplistic worldview like this. There's the history of the world and there's the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will bring mercy for God's people and justice upon their enemies. But what happens when Jesus dies is that the day of the Lord becomes a period delineated by his two comings. So we now live in the day of the Lord between the the death of Jesus and the return of Jesus. Does that make sense? So she's talking about it as though Jesus has already done those things. But the surprise for Israel is that there's a long period, a long window, a long opportunity in between those two comings, which is God giving us the opportunity to be part of his kingdom before the final part of the day of the Lord. But no, make no mistake, on that day, the final day, Jesus will right the wrongs of this world. He will end exploitation, abuse of power, selfish gain and everything that is ever been done wrong will be righted by Jesus. When I was at school, I was not a confident boy. I was a little bit socially awkward. And uh, the tough guys in school knew it and made the most of it. There was one boy in particular I remember called Scott Newman, who to me appeared to be a 28-year-old biker um, strangely placed in my class. And uh, the kids were afraid of him, but the teachers were more afraid of him. And on one occasion, I remember he spat on me in English uh, from a great distance and scored a a good hit on my arm. And I told the teacher, sorry, uh, Scott spat on me. And she said, well, you better go and see the principal. I better go and see the principal. So I went to the principal and said, Scott Newman spat on me. And he said, well, wash it off and go back to class. <laughs> Such was the terror, the reign of terror that Scott Newman uh, brought to the school. Even the principal would not do anything about it until one day he knifed a student and he was expelled. Um, now, when I think about God's coming judgment, I'm comforted to know that Scott Newman will pay a price for the spit he did on me and for the knife that he put into Matt Yell, the, uh, the boy who was stabbed. But you know what? A couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about another boy in my school called Kumar. He was a new student, and he was of Indian background. And you would think that a boy who was oppressed like me would draw alongside Kumar and befriend him. But no. I remember that I became Scott Newman over Kumar. I used to tease him, grab his bag and throw it up into a tree so that he couldn't get it down again. To my shame, I realised that Scott Newman Newman and I were different only in one area, opportunity. If Scott Newman is punished on the day of judgement, then so will I. I'm no different to him. If the rulers who exploit their power and exploit the poor and vulnerable for their own benefit are to be judged on the day of judgement then so am I. What's the difference between me and them? Opportunity. In their shoes, i do the same thing. But through the death of Jesus, we have an opportunity now to switch sides from the wrong side of God to the right side of God. When he rights the wrongs, we want to be on the right side of God's judgment that is standing in the death of Jesus where God's judgment has already fallen on him for us that's where I want to be standing in the last day third thing that Mary sings about is that Jesus coming fulfills God's ancient promises she says, he's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he said to our fathers. Now that tells us and reminds us that this is not God's plan B. It's not the smash glass in case of emergency and God will send Jesus. No, this was God's plan from the beginning, promised and foretold all the way back to Abraham. This is the culmination Of God's plan and its trajectory since the beginning in two chapters time Luke is going to give us what sounds like a really boring genealogy he goes all the way from Jesus up all the way up through David through Abraham and all the way to Adam now it might sound boring but those genealogies are really important because they teach us that this is God's fulfillment of his historic plan to rescue the world. King David received a promise that one of his sons would sit on the throne and rule forever and Mary's son is that king. Abraham received a promise that his seed would be the one through whom the entire world is blessed and Jesus, Mary's son, is that seed. So Jesus coming is not just kind of some isolated freak event which people thought, oh, this is interesting, maybe we should make a religion out of it. No, This is the fulfilment of God's plan announced all the way back in Abraham and repeated and repeated and developed until Jesus came. Narratives are powerful things. They're stories that connect events together into something that means something. And this is the Bible's narrative from beginning to end, the history of God's plan to bless, forgive and recreate the world that he made. We'd be familiar with narratives in our own time because there are lots of them buzzing around. One of the great ones in our recent time was the wet market narrative. I don't know if you remember that. They, the COVID came and they said, these naughty people selling bats next door to the virus research lab, those people in the wet markets were the ones who introduced the virus. Well, of course it wasn't. As, as uh, time has gone on, it's become obvious that they were playing around with viruses in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But that was a useful narrative, because it meant that China could be absolved of responsibility. That's a narrative which gives people a meaning to explain themselves and the world around them. Now, whether you believe it was a wet market or not, all I'm saying to you is, Narratives are powerful. They give you a way of understanding your position in the world and the events around you. Now, the Bible narrative is the narrative of narratives. The Bible narrative is the one that will give you and I the ability to endure all manner of things. Difficulties, suffering, persecution, whatever comes our way. Knowing that we are part of a titanic narrative, a titanic story of God redeeming the world. Most people today, I think, don't have a narrative to make sense of their lives. And so they bounce through life as giant pleasurables from one form of entertainment to the next because there's nothing to give them any meaning, direction or purpose in life. This Song of Mary says that Jesus' coming is the fulfilment of God's promises made to Abraham and his descendants. And today, I'm inviting you to dive into that story and anchor yourself in it so that that narrative gives you the plan, the purpose, the map for your life. Ask yourself... What is the purpose of my life? Where do I fit? Well, the Bible has the answer for you. Mary's song has the answer for you. You fit as a part of God's plan through Jesus Christ for the recreation of the world to his glory and your benefit. Come today and kneel at the feet of this king who was born in Bethlehem. Who will right the wrongs of this life and now gives us the chance to receive mercy? As the hymn we just sang says, Joyful all ye nations, rise, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Amen.